from deep inside your audio device of choice. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the frontiers of AI keep expanding week by week, week after week, week under week. This week, thanks to the New York Times and the Register, the British Tech Journal, we learned that Google is moving generative AI, the sort of thing that produces the chatbots that have been wowing the world for the last eight or nine months. Google is reportedly developing generative AI tools to power chatbots capable of performing 21 different tasks. Writing plans, tutoring users in new skills, and life coaching. I thought I said life coaching. The chatbots are the result of Google's efforts to accelerate its research in response to the boom in generative AI. Among the roles Google thinks a bot can fill is that of a personal life coach. That notion is a big shift for Google. The uh, ad and search giant's current advice for users of its Bard chatbot don't use the so software for that purpose. Quote, don't rely on Bard's responses as medical, legal, financial, or other professional advice. That's the privacy notice for Bard warning. Document also tells users, quote, don't include your confidential or sensitive information in your Bard conversations, unquote. Because that would be the sort of stuff a good life coach would need to know. And so we move forward. Hello, welcome to the show.
from Santa Monica, California. And um, this will be my only opportunity to ever say this. Sitting here waiting, coming up as the uh, target of a major hurricane. Santa Monica, California. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome. But we, I'm used to it because, you know, spent part of the year in New Orleans. Welcome to this edition of the show. And um, I knew this some years ago went into the memory hole and I'm reminded of it this week by a news story in a trade magazine called Food Dive. It's not the most appealing picture in the world diving into food but there are worse later. And in a survey shared with Food Dive 70% of the respondents said the egg industry should find a solution. A solution to what? Roughly 260 million male chicks are deliberately killed each year in the United States. Why? They're not considered suitable for broiler chicken production and they don't make eggs. 260 million in recent years solutions to the costly culling it's not killing it's culling uh, one of the solutions is in ovo sexing identifying the sex of eggs early in gestation have been developed and promising new data from think tech innovate animal ag indicates interest among u.s consumers as represented by that survey result the test will be if egg producers in the United States will adopt the practice their European counterparts already have. We're killing more chicks than they are. In an exclusive survey shared with Food Dive, a thousand Americans were surveyed. Innovate Animal, Animal Ag found an overall lack of knowledge about the practice of culling male chicks. Only 11% of customers or consumers, if you prefer, know the practice happens. Once they learned about it, 73% of responders said they agree the egg industry should find an alternative practice to killing, sorry, culling male chicks. Innovate Animal Ag said in ovo sexing technology could enter the U.S. market through investments from large producers such as Unilever Vital Farms and United Egg Producers, each have indicated an interest. It's increasingly being adopted by European egg industry operations. 10 to 20 percent of egg producers over there already utilize the um, in ovo te sexing technology. This was uh, spurred by legislation. Huh. Really? Across the continent, including France and Germany, which banned the killing of male chicks, the EU is considering phasing out the prospect and the practice by the end of this year for all of the EU members. Such political considerations are not widely being discussed in the U.S. currently, you may have noticed, but animal welfare organizations are more active in Europe. Well, what isn't? There was broad support among respondents to the survey on chicks being called. 81.6% said they would be either extremely very or somewhat interested in purchasing eggs from a supplier that used in ovo sexing 
Animal welfare was the consideration most people took into account. 52% called it very important. Followed by sustainability from decreased resource, resource usage. The uh, impact of premium pricing for the eggs painted a more varied picture when asked how much more they would be willing to pay for a dozen eggs that were produced using in ovo sexing. 29% said none. 38% said anywhere between 12 and 84 cents more. A significant factor for the egg industry, according to uh, the guy from uh, Innovate Animal Ag, hatcheries pay for the technology to use it on their eggs, which producers then buy and sell at a premium fee. The uh, guy from Innovate Animal Ag, a Mr. Yaman, said innovosexing will greatly help egg producers save money in the long term. Killing male, sorry, culling male chicks costs producers roughly $500 million a year. So it's costly and disgusting. That's the big two. Robert Yaman, the previously mentioned executive uh, from Innovate Animal Ag, says the impact on egg producers is fairly minimal, potentially represents an opportunity to go into a higher margin market without the big upfront, upfront costs you've seen in other things they've been doing, like cage-free. The egg industry says it's interested in adopting the technology, but it needs more investment and research before it can become scalable. You know, like it can be done a lot. The uh, success of animal welfare advocates in the cage-free eggs arena, as in this year's Supreme Court ruling on a California law that requires free-range space for all eggs sold in California, indicates that consumer sentiment about protecting the well-being of eggs is increasing, according to Yaman. If you think it'll help the eggs, just imagine the benefits to the chicks. And now, looks like our weekly roundup of news about a guy who likes to be in the news. No, not him. Elon Musk. The company formerly known as Twitter has begun slowing the speed with which users can access links to Facebook, New York Times, and other news organizations and online competitors. That's according to a report this week in the Washington Post. The move appears targeted at companies that have drawn the ire of Elon Musk, who happens to know own the company formerly known as Twitter. Users who clicked a link on the website, now called X for one of the targeted websites, were made to wait about five seconds, oh my God, before seeing the page. According to tests conducted by the Washington Post this week, the delayed websites included, aside from Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky and Substack, the Reuters Wire Service, and the Times. All of them have been previously singled out by Musk for ridicule or attack. The delay affects the t.co 
domain. It's a link shortening service that X uses to process every link posted to the website. Traffic is routed through the middleman service. That allows X to track activity to the target website and to throttle it, potentially taking away traffic and ad revenue from businesses Musk personally dislikes. Well, why else would you pay $44 billion? The Post's analysis found that links to most other sites were unaffected, including Washington Post, Mastodon, Fox News, and YouTube. The shortened links are routed to their final destination in a second or less. <laughs> That's more like it. This is the 21st century, after all. Musk, self-described free speech absolutist, did not re respond to requests for comment, nor did his company. Usually they respond to press inquiries. I've mentioned this before. You know I'm not kidding. With a poop emoji. And also on the subject of uh, Musk love, Tesla's autopilot engineers have claimed the automaker's leadership not only knew the software was unable to detect and respond to cross-traffic, it did nothing to fix it. This is from the Register Tech Journal in Britain. The allegations came to light this week from a civil lawsuit brought against Tesla regarding a crash that killed 50-year-old Jeremy Banner four years ago. He died when his Tesla Model 3 smashed into a tractor trailer in cross traffic. Autopilot had been activated by Banner 10 seconds prior to the collision. Neither the software nor Banner saw and reacted to the other vehicle in time. This uh, incident bears remarkable similarity to a 2016 accident. It killed Joshua Brown. His Tesla Model S with Autopilot activated failed to notice an 18-wheeler tractor trailer crossing a highway. Brown's Tesla passed under the trailer, ripping the top off the vehicle and killing the driver. Same thing happened in the more recent case. Banner's family, he was the guy killed more recently, sued Tesla shortly after his death. Alleged in a court filing last week, the automaker knew about Autopilot's inability to handle cross-traffic after the earlier death, failed to do anything to fix it, leading to the more recent crash. It was argued Tesla should have learned from the 2016 tragedy, either improved autopilot to safely handle cross-traffic or made it disengage in those situations. That might have saved Banner's life. Specifically, Tesla was aware autopilot, quote, was not fully tested for safety and was not designed to be used on roadways with cross-traffic or intersecting vehicles. Nevertheless, the uh, filing continued, Tesla programmed Autopilot to allow it to be used on roadways that Tesla knew were not suitable for its use and knew would result in fatal accidents. That's what the family alleges. Testimonies of two Autopilot engineers, Chris Payne and Nicholas Gustafson, are critical to the family's case. They were deposed a couple of years ago, their statements were included in a motion by the family to amend their earlier complaint to add a claim for punitive damages. According to Gustafson's statements in the filing, Autopilot was released without the ability to detect cross-traffic, something he had difficulty justifying 
when he was asked, on the stand, why Tesla had decided to omit cross-traffic detection. According to the filing, Payne also said, Autopilot was only designed to be used on highways with center dividers because it was, quote, technically a very hard thing for the hardware and software to account for cross-traffic, unquote. Payne explained Autopilot's design to detect the presence of a central divider and is smart enough to deactivate itself <laughs> if there isn't one. Nevertheless, quote, you can engage and operate Autopilot if there is not a center divider, it will continue to operate. Gustafson said much the same in his deposition, namely that autopilot wasn't designed to respond to cross-traffic. He'd investigated the earlier death as part of his job and alleged that despite Tesla not uh, thus knowing about the issue, no changes were made to autopilot systems to account for cross-traffic. Tesla's being investigated by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, as you might know, regarding various accidents. The uh, regulator has a suspicion that um, many of them were caused by drivers being misled by Tesla's marketing hype. They may have been given the impression autopilot was more capable than it actually was. It is, in fact, a super cruise control feature rather than a truly fully autonomous driving solution. And that might have that misunderstanding may have resulted in motorists putting themselves in dangerous situations. The Department of Justice is also probing autopilot's hype versus its safety record. And speaking of stuff that's not living up to its hype, it appears there will not be a cage fight between Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Too much Musk love going on. Now, news of the land of 4,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Vice, you know about Vice. I mean, you know about the so-called news organization called Vice. It has repeatedly blocked news stories that could offend the Saudi government, leaving its reporters unsure if they're still able to report freely on the kingdom's human rights abuses. That's according to the Guardian. Vox, uh, sorry, Vice, Vice. The media company recently signed a lucrative partnership with the MBC Group, that's M as in, my goodness, a media company controlled by the Saudi government to establish a joint venture over there. Of the 29 jobs currently advertised on Vice's careers page, 20 are based in Riyadh, capital of Saudi Arabia. The enormous sums of money now flowing from Saudi Arabia into Vice have led to high-level concerns within the company's news division that the bosses are censoring its Western-facing news content in order to protect staff working on contracts in Saudi Arabia. A freelance writer said that he and two fellow writers were commissioned by Vice's news division earlier this year 
to write a piece about a young Saudis can about young Saudis campaigning for transgender rights. The reporting claimed the Saudi state is helping families to harass and threaten transgender Saudis based overseas. Editors and Vice's news division actively welcomed the piece, the freelance writer said, as it fitted in with the outlet's track record of reporting on LGBTQ rights autocratic regimes in the Middle East. However, publication of the article was repeatedly postponed, then canceled at the last minute. Multiple sources advised that it was pulled after a high-level intervention by senior vice managers who said its publication could pose a threat to the safety of the company's staff working in Saudi Arabia. The freelancer said bankruptcy has already affected vice's reputation, but it's as if they are now seen as shying away from difficult stories due to their ownership, and that's really the final nail in the coffin of their countercultural image, unquote. In another recent example, a film in the Vice World News Investigators series about a Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Bonesaw was deleted from the Internet after being uploaded. Sources at Vice said the justification for moving the video was partly attributed to concerns about the safety of staff based in Saudi Arabia. Five years ago, Vice paused its work there following the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, but they've since enthusiastically embraced the kingdom. Vice uh, last week was bought out of bankruptcy. It's now rapidly expanding in Saudi Arabia as part of a wider strategy of shifting away from news towards lifestyle content. Lifestyle is so much nicer, isn't it? Nowadays, the Saudi government actively welcomes the presence of Vice, the uh, quantum news service. The media company is receiving millions of dollars through its advertising subsidiary Virtue to promote Saudi Arabia around the world. And now this. We've got the ultra Children, it's all about the children, isn't it? Children who live closer to natural gas wells in heavily drilled western Pennsylvania were more likely to develop a relatively rare form of cancer, and nearby residents of all ages had an increased chance of severe asthma reactions. That's uh, from a report released by researchers this week. Taxpayer-funded research by the University of Pittsburgh, they have a university, adds to a body of evidence suggesting links between the gas industry and certain health problems. Researchers found what they called significant associations between gas industry activity and two ailments, asthma and lymphoma in children. They are relatively rarely diagnosed with that type of cancer. The researchers were unable to say whether the drilling caused the health problems. The studies weren't designed to do that. Instead, the researchers combed health records to try to determine 
possible associations based on how close people lived to natural gas wells. Industry groups point to that as source of the limitations of the data. You got to trust the industry when they point out the limitations in the data, don't you? The reports were released at the start of a uh, public meeting to discuss the findings hosted by the uh, Pittsburgh University School of Public Health and the State Department of Health. Community activists and distressed parents urged department officials and researchers to do more to protect public health as gas drilling continues to increase. Says the former director of the Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project called the uh, findings the tip of the toxic iceberg. And we're only just beginning to understand what is out there. She, there is, she warned, quote, a lot more cancer waiting in the wings, unquote. And I bet it still doesn't know its lines. goodbye Every bruise is a souvenir Hold on tight till they disappear It's harder to remember now Held up by the parade Wipe those tears off the steering wheel No one really knows how you feel So do not be afraid Because those headlights do not understand They illuminate 
but can't comprehend. They are seen and seen, and still they have no notion that there's only motion. There is no repose. I will tell you where the moonlight goes when the bluebirds sing. The green grass grows. It goes rolling over a deep, dark ocean. 'Cause there's only motion. There is no repose. There is only motion. There is no repose. There is only motion. There is no repose. So there is only motion. There is no. Santa Monica, this is Le Show. By the way, if you're a reader of the New York Times and you read over the weekend that Point Magoo is 30 miles west of Santa Monica, don't try it. Because west of Santa Monica, it gets very, very wet. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, sort of a special moment, special guest time here on the broadcast um, um a personality a, a personage that um has been um known to some of you for some years now um has been on the obscure side of fame for a, a time and is now i guess sort of plotting his return to the spotlight and is joining us today from his home just in in the uh, just just for protection security and all that in the south of london um mr derek smalls welcome to the show thank you i'm in east dulwich i don't care who knows it but it's uh, it's good to be with you it's good to have you here um you're you have a, a new project but uh, b- before we talk about that um for for those who care and i mean that's all of us thank you um Maybe tell, uh, fill us in a little bit about what you've been up to uh, in the last. I know you had a uh, a little tour that got interrupted by uh, COVID. It was uh, two symphony orchestras and lots of guest stars mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. No dancers. <laughs> um, and we uh, did a couple of dates and then uh, the COVID thing caught up with us and uh, passed us really in the dust. <laughs> um, so I was I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a great show, and uh, I heard it was uh, called Lukewarm Water Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of great musicians on the road with us, and I, I shouldn't talk about it anymore because you can't see it anymore. But uh, I did do that. There was a record that came out called Small's Change, and uh, but on the on the heels of that, mm-hmm. uh, I was. Uh, uh, fortunate enough and honored to be chosen to be uh, brand ambassador for a uh, crypto coin and uh, you know those 
those don't those uh, opportunities don't come out uh, every day they don't grow on trees about once a week i say <laughs> um and yeah. i was chosen to be brand ambassador for uh, middle western europe mm. um which you know is uh probably the most interesting part of Western Europe. Sure. Um, and it's uh, it came out of my history of being in the media in uh, the Low Countries. Uh -huh. I'd been uh, one of the judges on Dutch Idol. Sure. Uh, Dutch Idol was um, mm. a, a television uh, competition, like I believe you have in your country. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very successful. It... Uh, kicked the you-know-what out of the ratings of um, the competition. <laughs> you don't really like to mention the name. I guess the the, the pain lingers. Uh, no, I'm, I'm getting old and I just don't remember it. <laughs> um, and so uh, I was able to uh, parlay that bit of uh, Middle Europe fame into being the brand ambassador of the... Uh, Bruegel coin, mm. uh, which was a uh, new crypto coin based in uh, in The Hague. So I've been touring for much of uh, the last couple of years uh, on behalf of uh, the damn thing. Well, which, uh, excuse me, but yeah. I, I thought this was uh, an honor. You, but, well, you it, was, it was until all the money disappeared uh, somewhere near Albania. Huh, yes. Um, and uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of an embarrassment, and uh, sure. the uh, the real stinger of the uh, of the situation is that they were paying me in boiled coin. Ah, well, uh, so yeah, you know, enough said about that, of, eh? <laughs> um, so uh, you you have a new project, yes, um, which you're here to talk about today. Yes, um, tell us a little bit about it. I understand it involves well, uh, something called Barbie. Yes. Um, you know, I've been uh, sitting at home, mm -hmm. watching telly, sure. watching football, um, watching sports I would not normally watch, sure. you know, yeah. that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, around, I don't know, July, August, mm -hmm. uh, I started mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed, uh, seeing a lot of pink. <laughs> uh, hearing a lot of Barbie stuff about uh -huh. Barbie and Barbie and Barbie, yeah. And I just thought, what, wait a minute, this this is like living in uh, Soviet Germany or something. Yeah. What's why am I being pelted with uh, all this propaganda? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's like let's put on, let's do pink and let's do more pink and uh, Barbie, 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 and right. uh, it just uh, started boiling my blood you might say made, made your blood boil that too mm -hmm. so uh you know i'm a musician and uh i express myself through, through my your music. music yeah um i'm not working with uh my mates in spiral tap at the moment uh, they're off doing uh, other things so i went into the shed uh back in the house and uh friend a couple of friends stopped by to play uh uh, guitars and uh, drums and we made a uh, tune that uh, to me just sums up the outrage over you know being overwhelmed mm -hmm. by this uh, toy agenda toy agenda you might call it yeah. um, mm -hmm. and it's called uh, must crush barbie and it's just 
basically a call to everyone who feels the way I do, and I don't think I'm the only one. No. I've never been the only one to be anything or do anything. Mm. Never the only one. So sure. I thought, right, let's just uh, whip up a statement about enough of this, enough, enough Barbie, enough mm. Barbie, right. you know, with mm. the same kind of repetitive um, hypnotic quality that mm -hmm. the thing itself had, which is, I guess, uh, hypnotized all these people to go see the movie and, and buy the dolls. I mean, it's all about, you know, it's, sure. I don't know how much they spent to get million. people to buy a bunch of dolls. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the, To me, it's the craziest thing, of course, you know, they didn't ask me, but now no. they're gonna, they're hearing. They're going to hear from me. They're going to hear from you. Yeah. So it's called M Must Crush Barbie. Must Crush Barbie. Must Crush Barbie. And it's uh, you know it's it's just a call to enough. As I say, first of all, mm -hmm. if you think about it, yeah, pink, it's not a real color. Hmm. It's just red with a lot of white mixed in, splashed in there. So you start from. You know, it's a compromise. Mm -hmm. It's uh, half this, half, half that. that. Yeah, it's a whole nothing, and <laughs> then you go from there. Yeah, and and but, it's really when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's the color of flesh, right? Sure. So that can be good or bad. Right. But uh, it, it just when you see it all over the place. It does something to your mind. It does something to your eyes. Mm. It does something to your insides, which are pink. They are pink. You know, yeah. let's face yeah. it. Sure. Um, so I, I, I just think it's being overwhelmed with stuff that you don't really want to see. Mm. If you if you stop to think of it, so don't don't stop to think about right. it. Right. Good advice. But I did, yeah. and uh, so I came up with this tune, and. Uh, you know, if if we're lucky, people will go, will stop and go. Hey, you know what? He's right. And well, uh, is your goal to stop people from uh, buying Barbie dolls for their kids? Oh, no, 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 no. You know, but people want to buy for their kids as their own business. Mm. But I don't want to be have their business shoved in my face. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All that pink wherever mm -hmm. I look, mm -hmm. it's not a good look. And well, as I say, it's it's not a real color. And, uh, it's half. you know, uh, those yeah. of us in the uh, hard rock business mm -hmm. are uh, partial to real, you know, strong colors, real full colors, reds, blacks, sure. uh, colors that say something, colors mm -hmm. that stand for something, colors that have energy and power. And uh, to be surrounded by this sort of half this, half that, mm -hmm. half nothing, half something sure. is uh, it's not way to go through life. Well, uh, it's a feeling I think we can all understand, uh, but maybe even more so when we hear the song. Uh -huh. Here's uh, Sneak, right? Yes, it's never been uh, heard in public before. It's mm -hmm. a sneak preview. Great. It uh, comes out a week from Monday, mm -hmm. but uh, it's I'm sneaking it, right? If you play it, I'm sneaking it. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm playing it. You're sneaking it. We're both sneaking it. Derek Smalls, thank you for being with us. And here's Must Crush Barbie.
quite enough. Research suggests that microplastics once ingested move into the fat and internal organs of whales. Microplastic remnants have been detected in the blubber and lungs of over 65% of the marine mammals examined in a graduate student's investigation into ocean microplastics. This from Duke University. The discovery of polymer fragments and fibers in these creatures indicates that microplastics can migrate beyond the digestive system and embed in their tissues. The research, set to be published in the October 15th issue of Environmental Pollution. I get it for the pictures. Harms that embedded microplastics might cause to marine animals are yet to be determined, but plastics have been implicated by other studies as possible hormone mimics and endocrine disruptors. Hormone mimics are uh, on stage every Saturday night at the Comedy Store. Quote, this is an extra burden on top of everything else they face, climate change, pollution, noise, and now they're not only ingesting plastic and contending with the big plastic pieces in their stomachs, they're also being internalized, says the fifth-year grad student at Duke, a Duke Marine Lab. Some proportion of their mass is now plastic. And minute particles of plastic, your microplastics, have been found in our water, food, and the air we breathe. Just a year ago, 
couple years ago, another study found microplastics in the human bloodstream now in what researchers are calling a first. Microplastics have been detected in the heart tissues of individuals who underwent cardiac surgery. Based on heart tissue samples collected from 15 people who went under heart operations, scientists discovered tens of thousands of individual microplastic pieces in most tissue samples analyzed, although the amounts and materials varied between participants. The detection of microplastics in a living body is alarming, and more studies are necessary to investigate how the microparticles enter the cardiac tissues and the potential effects of microplastics on long-term prognosis after cardiac surgery. That's the writing of the study author, Xubin Yang, in the Department of Cardiovascular Surgery at Beijing Anjen Hospital in China. And colleagues, published in the American Chemical Society journal Environmental Science and Technology, Dr. Yang and his team, using direct infrared imaging, identified particles made from eight types of plastic, from eight ten-thousandths to two hundredths of an inch wide, those particles were. They also found plastic particles in blood samples collected from participants. They added that microplastics are highly likely to distribute in various organs throughout the body. Unquote. The study authors emphasized that invasive medical procedures may be an overlooked route of microplastics exposure. It's becoming clear, ladies and gentlemen, that the real future we face is when artificial intelligence learns to communicate with microplastics. And now, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Howard University leaders sought to reassure students and parents this week after the school year began with alarming incidents on and near the campus that injured multiple students and left one person hospitalized after a stabbing. University leaders described a throng of 50 or so young people, a fight club that officials had been monitoring all summer, swarming areas around campus over the weekend as students were arriving for the school year. University leaders apologized for missteps in the initial response to the incidents, announced measures to strengthen security, and removed two safety employees from campus. Anthony Wuto, university's provost and the father of a, Harvard, of a Howard student, said during a virtual town hall this week, quote, we certainly apologize for any failings in the university's initial response and certainly will do better on behalf of our students, our faculty, and our staff to make sure we're keeping everyone as safe as we possibly can. And Howard University President Wayne Frederick also apologized to students in a message this week. Presumably about the same thing. Delta Airlines has issued an apology and a refund after flight attendants were seen allegedly laughing and standing around joking 
as a passenger was left soaking wet on a plane. The scene of the flooded area was captured in a viral TikTok video posted by the passenger, Katie Sideri, who lives in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The video has received over 107,000 uh, views. The incident took place on a flight traveling from Atlanta to Minneapolis. Footage shows a passenger sitting with, a f with feet up on the seat as water rained down on the floor, forming a pool near what appears to be the plane doorway. A caption with the post reads, This is ridiculous. No one offered an apology or any acknowledgement that it was that I was soaked my stuff was soaked my seat it left me to figure out how to dry off my seat and the wall unquote a Delta spokesperson said on Wednesday we're looking into what may have occurred in this video as it's certainly not the experience we want our customers to have for that we apologize Sidari had told Newsweek about the problem after Newsweek asked for a comment from Delta about the case she received a call from a Delta rep who saw the media request looked at my inquiry and issued me she says a full refund Delta must have thought they were talking to the old Newsweek former President Moon Jae-in has apologized for the 2023 World Scout Jamboree debacle, saying of the incident, quote, our national image has been scarred. We have lost our pride, unquote. This is in South Korea. He continues, former President Moon, I apologize and convey my sympathies as the president of the country when the Jamboree was first courted. He wrote that on Facebook. He's refrained from commenting on current events since leaving office. But he spoke out as controversies surrounding the Jamboree snowballed. The Jamboree cost us dearly, he said. Our national image has been scarred. We have lost our pride. Shame has become a burden for our citizens to bear. Lack of preparation turned even the heavens against us. He continued, I hope this failure has taught us a bitter lesson and that South Korea will be able to pick itself up by its bootstraps and stand high with pride. According to The Guardian, the mismanagement of the global scouting event, which struggled with heat and hygiene and eventually had to be evacuated as a typhoon approached, has left many wondering, where did it all go wrong? The event was plagued with problems. The Guardian received photos showing tents and flooded fields, toilets overflowing with you-know-what, and a lack of soap or toilet paper. There was a sanitation problem, long lines for showers, resource mismanagement, little natural shade during a prolonged heat wave. Hundreds of people were taken ill from heat and insect-related ailments. And uh, the World Scouting Body had asked the government of South Korea to find ways to end the event early. So, well worth an apology, I say. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And finally, our friend the Atom. Electricity output at Coburg, nuclear power station near Cape Town, South Africa, 
could fall to zero by a few months and then a few months from now if a program to upgrade one of the plant's two units incurs further delays this according to african business work to replace three steam generators at the unit one began last december it was meant to be finished within six months however the project has suffered from a litany of delays escom the troubled state-owned utility that operates the plant and in how many other situations have we heard that collection of words announced last week the unit is now not expected to come back online until the beginning of november the chief nuclear officer at the company admitted that it had been quote overly optimistic in attempting to complete the upgrade within an unrealistic time span in normal circumstances the 1860 megawatts supplied by Coburg, which is Africa's only operational nuclear power plant, accounts for about 5% of South Africa's electricity. The loss of Unit 1's output over the last nine months has been one of the, one of the factors that have worsened devastating power cuts, known locally as load shedding. The latest delay to the Unit 1 upgrade is particularly problematic, according to African Business, because the plant's other unit is scheduled to begin a shutdown to complete the same program of renovation just days later. Our friend, the Atom. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of the show. Back 
next week, same time on these same radio stations, and at the time of your choosing on the audio device of your choice. And it would be just like Donald Trump showing up for a debate. If we do you would agree to join with me then. Will you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. I remember those. And, uh, playlist of the music heard here as well as a lot of stuff to read and watch and enjoy all at harryshare.com and i'm at that uh thing called x no x twitter at the harry shearer The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans. Flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.